Welcome to the Ion Ryan Show, a satellite orbiting the worlds of tech, toys, pro wrestling, and pop culture. Here is your host, Ion Ryan. <laughs> so, uh, hola, amigos. I'm going to peel back the curtain here for a second and tell you something that's really funny, sort of embarrassing. I usually start recording this podcast and I record about 20 to 25 to 30 minutes of it and I start to run out of steam and I lose my concentration and instead of just like walking away, I just say like, screw it and I delete the entire episode and start recording again. So here we are, take three. This happens every single episode, uh, but welcome to the Ion Ryan Show, uh, take three, episode six, seven, I'm not sure. I don't think my episodes matter. My episode numbers matter. Yep. Should I just restart this? Because this, no, 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 we'll keep going. Guys, long story short, I have, uh, my last show was two weeks ago. Last week, you had Sean from MRC Tech Presents the last podcast. Of course, every Friday, you've had... We podcast and we know things. The flagship show, the the founders, the originators, the OGs of uh, the We Pod Squad. We podcast and we know things. Greg and Sam they put out their show every Friday, uh, whereas me and Sean rotate. See, when you're doing this all one man gig, you need to do a little bit more research. You need to do a little bit more post production. Uh, you got to think things through a little bit more, which is evidenced by. What I just told you guys, I'm not always the best at that. Um, So yeah, we do our podcast every other week, but Greg and Sam do theirs every week, except for breaking news. In case you have not heard, this week, Sean and I will actually be joining forces and we will be taking over We Podcast and We Know Things. Uh, Instead of the 150th episode for We Podcast and We Know Things with Greg and Sam, you're going to get a very special edition with me and Sean. Uh, what's cool is Sean and I actually don't know each other all that well. We've traveled in the same circles and we're live in the same area, but it'll be the first time we actually get to sit down and talk, and I'm really looking forward to that. I'm grateful to Greg and Sam for that opportunity. It will help us reach a new listener base because I don't think I don't know if everyone that listens to We Podcast and We Know Things listens to the Ion Ryan Show or MRC Tech Presents the Last Podcast. So Uh, We're going to have a lot of fun with that. We are going to unpack D23, a.k.a. everything that's coming to Disney+. Plus. There will be none of that in this episode. You're going to have to wait for Friday. We're going to unpack that whole thing, especially with Sean's Star Wars expertise. I look forward to chatting with him about that. Uh, Congrats to my friend Greg on his big move. He's moving to a great neighborhood. Greg just keeps hitting it out of the park. Uh, what an exceptional young man. I'm so proud of everything that he's achieved. And uh, Sam, best va- best damn voice in the business, enjoy your week off, pal. We got this one covered for you. So the, that's right. Friday, We Podcast and We Know Things is being taken over by me and Sean. We're going to unpack everything from D23. We're going to have a great time. I've been making notes nonstop. Um, so uh, today, we are going to talk... Four different things. The main part of the show is going to be the AEW preview. Now, uh, Damian and I are both at a very busy time in our in our year. He has some big things going on personally and professionally. All good things. All good things. Uh, and same thing for me. I actually just wrapped up 
21 days of 12-hour days, and Damien and I weren't able to hook up earlier in the week, and uh, I'm begging him before this episode gets sent off to our our We Podcast and We Know Things Brethren, uh, seeing if Damien can make some time to do the AEW preview. If not, on the other side of three count, it will be me doing an in-depth AEW preview. It is now time for Iron Ryan's Weekly Three Count. So this week's Three Count is pretty eclectic. Topic number one is a little bit of a throwback. It's a little bit of philosophy. (laughs) I used to run a website 10, 15 years ago called ImaginationSimmons.com, and I'd write these blogs about what I wanted out of life and what I saw was wrong with the world. And uh, I'm not going to say I was very right or very wrong about anything. Uh, I don't live – I went back and looked at some of those blogs. And to tell you the truth, I don't even know if you go – if you go to ImaginationSimmons.com, I don't think they're up anymore. Um, But it was all kind of like philosophy about – work not ruling your life, about money not ruling your life, which was really easy to do when I didn't have a job and I didn't have any money when I was writing those blogs 10, 15 years ago. Uh, But life has changed, right? And I'm an adult. I'm a functioning adult. (laughs) I have a house. I have a business. Uh, I would love, 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 love to meet 22-year-old Ryan and 17-year-old Ryan and 27-year-old Ryan and just talk about where we're at now. And I think they would be surprised, maybe pleasantly surprised. Um, But yeah, so I used to run a website about that. And I'd write a lot about, like I said, philosophical things, things that I believed in. And to this day, I still try and harness that positivity. As a matter of fact, and I don't know if we've ever talked about it on this show, uh, but here we are. I'm going to talk about it, I guess. Ion Ryan, um, the idea of Ion, I-O-N, well, one, it's a riff on imagination, which was like my old branding, but it's more than that. And again, I don't know if I ever got a chance to talk about this on this show or not, but for the longest time, like I said, I didn't have much. My car was always breaking down. I never really had money. I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do with my life, especially when I was younger. I knew I didn't want to work a nine to five, but I didn't know if I was up for starting my own business. I didn't. I didn't have any real meaningful relationships other than, of course, with my family. Um, but but in a lot of ways, it was the future that totally freaked me out. So I came up with this like philosophy of ION. And the idea of ION was turning a, a verb. Is that what, oh my goodness gracious, turning a verb into a noun, okay, like the things you own are nouns, you own a computer, you own a house, you own a car, you have a job, and I never wanted to be bogged down in those tangibles, those nouns, so I loved this idea of making my actions create my nouns, meaning 
taking my verbs, okay, you know, you can educate and subsequently you receive an education and you get to keep the education. Um, you can appreciate things and then you get to keep that appreciation or spread that appreciation. You can imagine things and you're using your imagination, right? It was the idea, it was the process of turning an action into something that stays with you and helps define you, okay? Define definition. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, I did like a film. Actually, if you look, you could probably find it on my YouTube if you do like Ion, Ion Ryan. But I've always been a big believer that you shouldn't be defined by certain things and that there's a path to happiness that stems from your actions. And sometimes those actions are the long play, like, you know, going to college or saving money or something like that or working out. Or sometimes those actions are just little everyday things. So uh, topic number one here in three count is um, I teach high school. I don't know if we've ever talked about that, but 18 months ago, I was sitting on my couch and I was running my business and I was running myself into the ground and my phone rings and somebody said, hey, we need someone that can teach for an hour and a half a day and get paid practically nothing to do it. And it's smack dab in the middle of the day. You want to do it? <laughs> and because I worked for myself, I said, you know what? This would be a great opportunity. And I did. And I got to work in front of a classroom for two months. And I got to teach film and media arts, which is what my background is in. And then a couple months later, I thought it was just a two-month experiment. And then I received a roster in the mail. And <laughs> all of a sudden, I was a teacher. And sure enough, this year... I am a teacher again. I'm teaching film and media arts, new media, journalism. It all kind of combines. Again, it's that same schedule where I just teach for an hour and a half a day. Over the course of the year, I'll have about 100 kids. Uh, but what's interesting with these kids is when I took that class 15 years ago, the high school I teach at is the high school I went to. When I taught that class, when I took that class 15 years ago, I didn't have access to video cameras and editing software and microphones and tripods and lights. I didn't have access to that stuff at home. Uh, these kids nowadays do, right? Their iPhone takes a perfect portrait picture just by pushing a button. And sometimes it's hard to say like, okay, kids, I know that you have portrait mode, but we have to understand why, why portrait mode's awesome. And it's because of a depth of field, right? Like you get the blurry background as the kids say, Oh, the background's blurry. All right, well, how do we do that? Okay, like how do we adjust our f-stop? And if we're shooting, uh, I'm not going to give you a photography lesson right now, but a lot of times the kids are just so on auto that they don't appreciate the creation process. So uh, the one thing that I decided I wanted to do this year was make them better citizens and better people, really like hammer that home and kind of beat them over the head with it. Uh I never had a resume in my entire life. I've never had to apply for a single job. I'm very fortunate. I just get calls and offers. I don't market. I don't have a website. My reputation precedes me. I, I'm successful because of word of mouth. 
I don't mean any of that as a brag. I wish that for everyone. I hope no one ever has to do that infuriating thing where you put together a resume and perfect it and then go on the company's website and fill in all the same information that you have on your resume. Uh, I, I want you to be able to harness what makes you an individual. And this is me kind of talking to my students, but hey, man, maybe it's me talking to you too. Uh, I want you to be able to harness what's great in your personality and makes you truly unique. And I want you to be a really good person and I want your life to be as easy as possible because you're a good person. So with all of that craziness said, I made a list on August 9th at 1.11 a.m. I was just hammering on my phone lessons that I really want to teach my kids this year. So here's what I would love for you guys to do. If you want to reach out to me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, uh, remember on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Ion Ryan. Uh, on Facebook, you can search Ion Space Ryan, and that will get you to me. Uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on this list. Now, I have not read this list since I wrote it at 1 a.m. on August the 9th. I don't sleep much, so... Uh, yeah, a lot of times I write and do things late at night. So with that said, I'm just going to read you what I wrote. This is the first time I'm reading it. So I may, in the middle of a sentence, just give up and be like, no, 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 this, this advice sucks. But yeah, the idea here is these are the lessons that I want to teach my students this year because it's not always easy to teach them why they have to learn how to take pictures the old-fashioned way when their iPhone takes the picture, you know? So if I can give these kids anything, I want them to harness the power of their personality. So here's my list. Number one, these are in no specific order. They're not even numbered on my phone. They're just sentences. Hold the door for everyone. Then channel your inner Chick-fil-A employee and be like, my pleasure. I'm a big fan of that. Manners, right? I mean, uh, and a lot of this has to do with manners. As a matter of fact, I feel like I'm going to group these first few things together. Uh, Next one, thank the cashier or employee or waitress at the store before they can thank you and tell them to have a great day. Uh, You'll be one of 100 customers they encounter that day, maybe more, and your kindness might help them get through it in some way or another. Uh, Talk to strangers in public when you have a chance, uh, especially older folks. Young people get a bad rep. Show them how amazing and smart and sweet you are. Uh, I did this tonight right before I was recording this podcast. I went and grabbed a cup of coffee. I was like, I'm going to stay up late. I need coffee. I went to Wawa. Yeah, actually, when I was walking in, the guy held the door for me. So the next door, I held it for him. He's like, look at that. We all come out on top. And We just exchanged a little moment. Didn't talk again, but hey, just two nice guys late at night getting coffee, getting food at the local convenience store. We don't know each other, but hey, look, the world's a good place. So when I went over to get my coffee, there was an older lady there. And I looked at her and she was pouring her coffee. And you got to be careful. You got to, you can't approach people. I, I, I have a, I have a way of seeming I don't know. I think like non-threatening. I just, I seem like a goofball because I can be self-deprecating. And, you know, she's pouring a big cup of coffee. I said, ah, it's a big cup of coffee. I said, you're doing probably one of three things. 
you're going to work, you're taking a long road trip, or you're recording a podcast. And she kind of looked at me. I said, well, I'm doing the third one. That's, that's why I'm getting my coffee. And she ha, ha, ha. I said, oh, yeah, you know, because I just need a couple more hours in my day today, so I'm getting some coffee. And I ended up talking to her. Probably a 60-year-old woman. Uh, again, we didn't exchange names or anything like that, but maybe maybe she'll see me around the neighborhood later. And who really knows? I don't know. Maybe she works at a place that could be my dream job. You never really know, but that's one of the things I want to teach my kids. Now, of course, I'm going to teach them, like, stranger danger, be safe. Because conversely, I was walking in, like, a little bit of a rough part of Philly today, and I tried to make a joke, and I thought that the guy that I made the joke to was going to punch me in the face. So be careful with that one. Uh, Maybe I'll have to refine that before I take that to my students. (laughs) So next on my list, uh, smile and wave at babies. Uh, It makes you, them, and the parents really happy. Again, um, like I got tattoos on my arms. I got a beard, a big old belly. Sometimes I'm wearing a goofy shirt or whatever. And I don't know. I, I try to be, like I said, non-threatening, just, you know, looking at a baby, giving them a little bit of a smile, just, you know, saying to the parents like, Oh my God, what a beautiful kid. Like sometimes you have to put an inflection in your voice that is a little bit more friendly or whatever. But, um, it's a nice moment. I mean, those parents, parents in general make so many sacrifices that that mom or dad that you see in target with that cute little baby might've been up all night with them. And you know, they're just trying their best and they're buying whatever, whatever they have to buy to take care of their family. And just have a nice little moment where somebody smiles at you and says, wow, you know, your kid's beautiful and you make the kid laugh. It's a good thing. So, uh, next on my list, tip 25 to 30%. If you can, uh, waiters and waitresses are hoping for 20% and that extra two or $3, $10, whatever, it means way more to them than it does to you. Especially if you're eating locally, uh, it's a great way for people to, to like you. It's a great way for, for, for servers to get to know you and like you. And that's how you become a regular. That's how you get special treatment. That's how, um, you create that bond, you know, you ever watch a TV show and, oh uh, yeah, it's the regulars at the restaurant. Like that's not real life for a lot of people, but go to a restaurant, tip 25%, just 25%, five, five more dollars. Now I know I'm giving this advice to high school students, um, and maybe they don't have that money, but 5% more. If you, if you're with a bunch of friends, tip $25 on your hundred dollar bill when, you know, there's five of you or 10 of you there or whatever. It's only a couple extra bucks, but it really goes a long way. So, uh, this is a really long one. Like I said, I haven't read these, so I may stop mid sentence if I feel like I'm being dumb. Um, Oh, here you go. Show respect, appreciation, and kindness. Be honest and straightforward. Every interaction and relationship you have is practice for the future. Like if you like someone, ask them out on a legit date. Uh, no more of this like, LOL, want to hang out, LOL stuff. Uh, when you're in a contract or salary negotiation, when you're older, you're not going to say like, LOL, want to pay me $105,000 a year to do this job, JK, JK. Uh, basically what that's saying is learn how to be deliberate with your intentions. Uh, also on the other side, and this is like always a fine line to walk, like when you're talking to kids, like you just have to teach them about respecting their peers, respecting people you know, that they're interested in romantically. I I don't think that people realize that 
you are probably just one of many people that someone is going to date and you don't want to be that person that makes them miserable in the future. You know, have you ever dated a guy or a girl and they have these weird little habits and it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. My ex was awful in this way. You don't want to be that awful ex. By the same token, if we could all kind of create a worldly understanding of respecting and appreciating and being honest with each other in all types of relationships. Um, when we find that person that we want to spend our life with, hopefully they're not plagued by, you know, that bad ex from the past or whatever, you know, uh, like I said, that's, that's always a sensitive subject. I'm not teaching the kids how to date, but, um, I just keep an eye. I see them all interacting. I see the boy and the girl in the front row of my class who are flirting. And not that I want to get all up in their business because I don't, but if I can just tell the boy like, hey, don't be a jerk, uh, that's a good thing. <laughs> so um, take risks. Accept success and rejection with equal grace and understanding. Everything happens for a reason. Seems cliche, but the future's being shaped today. Uh, I'm a firm believer in that. I think about my life right now. I got rejected for my first choice of my high school. It was a high school you had to audition for. It was a school that only my, my mom did not want me to go there. Everyone else in my life wanted me to, and I got rejected. And I ended up going to the high school I went to, and I now teach there. And I'm now, you know, 20 or 30 minutes into a podcast talking about how I'm going to try to inspire the students at that school. And it now defines my life. <laughs> so thank God I just accepted that failure momentarily and made the best of the situation I was in. And yeah, uh, I'm sure you guys all have stories about that. How, holy moly, if this did or didn't happen, I wouldn't have been in this place. And I see these young people, these 17, 18 year old kids, and they think in so many ways that they're their college acceptance letter is going to define who they are. It's like, dude, there's so many people out there that never even went to college or there's people that went out that did go to college and they've wasted their life. Uh, but for these kids getting through high school is this very symbolic and meaningful end to them. And they don't really realize that it's really just the beginning of their life. So they need to learn how to accept uh, failure and to not worry so much. So um, next one, <laughs> get sleep, drink water, put the phone down, eat good food, listen to good music, cry at Pixar movies. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. It's some of the stuff that you guys have to do and I have to do, especially as we get older. But just take care of yourself. You only get one body. Uh, again, I really have to learn that because I'm, I'm terrible at it. But these 17, 18-year-olds haven't made a lot of decisions, life-altering decisions. So, yeah, uh, they need to learn how to sleep, drink water, put their phone down, eat good food, listen to good music, and cry at Pixar movies. I'm a huge fan. This is the goofiest thing. I'm a huge fan of crying at movies, especially movies that make me really happy. Uh well, sometimes really sad, but like the end of the Iron Giant, I bawl my eyes out uncontrollably and it feels so good and cathartic afterwards. And it's just the power of media. Uh, and I guess that kind of ties back to the class, which is cool. But <laughs> next, <laughs> stay in on a Friday or Saturday night with your family every couple of weeks or months. You'll miss those times so much when you're older. 
You have no idea how hard it is to be a parent slash adult. You don't believe me now, but in a decade or two, you'll marvel at how amazing your parents are. Oh, and even if it's a text, tell those people you love them. Um, I'm 32 years old, and I tell my sister and my mom every single time that I I hang up the phone with them, that I see them in real life, hey, mom, love you. Hey, hey, sis, love you. These kids, they want to be cool. I get it. But I just think back to those, now that I'm 32 years old and I work a lot of Friday nights, I just think back to those moments when I was a kid of mom making milkshakes. Back in our day, I guess before things were digital, there was this weird little tick in my home where every single time my mom turned on our milkshake maker, our TVs got staticky. I don't even know why, but what a great memory that is. You know, I remember on this isn't Friday or Saturday night, but like Sunday morning, my mom would blare Motown music and we would all just slowly get up and we had a five disc CD changer and we'd each get to put a CD in and we would do shuffle. And it was always so exciting after my two sisters, after their music played and I heard the disc changer shuffling. I'm like, Oh man, maybe they're going to put on my CD, but there's all these great moments from when you're a kid that you're you're totally going to miss. So I really hope that I can teach those kids that going out every Friday and Saturday night isn't as important as they think it is. Uh, save some money. There will come a day when you want to drive far, f- fly even further, and do something that costs more than 40 bucks. And there's no greater freedom than saying, I can afford that. Let's do it. Flights are way cheaper than you realize. Uh That was one of the best things that ever happened to me is when I finally got my license and I had a reliable car and it dawned on me that like once I was in my car, if I had enough money in my pocket, I could drive to Florida. You know, I'm in Philly, you drive 95 all the way down for 12 hours and you're in Florida, you're at Disney World. And that was one of the best things is I drove to Florida kind of randomly five or six times in my life because I just would work and save money and go to Disney World, hopping in my car and driving down there. Uh, I did it alone multiple times. I drove all the way to Florida by myself because I had money. I could do it. I wasn't rich, but it was just gas money. And I don't know. I really want to teach these kids that, you know, they can and should make their own money, save their money, and do things that really matter and not rely on mom and dad because God knows mom and dad are, you know, stretched thin enough. Next on my list, be patient with everyone, including yourself. Always strive to be better, but if you legitimately tried your best, there's no need to beat yourself up. Uh, That goes back to some of the other things I was saying. And again, these all sound like cliches, but I remember getting like a 40 on a math test and being like, my life is over. No, it's not. It's really honestly not. And I think kids are so stressed nowadays. I think everyone is so stressed nowadays because as we get older, our margin, our margin of error does seem thinner, right? That if you, if, if you lose money on a bad investment, uh, you can't pay the mortgage. Or if you, if something, if something happens to the house and you have to spend money on it, you can't go on vacation, right? Like, That's when the stakes are high. 
But kids, again, this is when I say, like, I guess don't be afraid of failure, but hold yourself to a high standard. Try your best. But if you don't succeed, it's really not the end of the world. Uh, This one hits very close to home. Uh, It says, take care of your brain. There's no shame in talking with a friend, family member, or counselor if you're struggling. You wouldn't believe how things come into focus for you once you verbalize them. Trust me, it's never as bad as you think it is. Uh, I'm going to keep blowing through these because I feel like they're all kind of similar now. Uh, Don't be afraid to be wrong. Admit it. Learn from it. Keep growing and keep going. It's honestly the best part of life, being better next year than you are today. You don't get that joy if you think everything you do and say is right already. Uh, And then my final little part here is I've lived your life, your entire life, twice over. I am twice your age. I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are more wonderful and funny and smart and interesting than you realize, and you do absolutely deserve the best. I cannot understate this. In my 32 years on this planet, I've never met anyone who doesn't belong, just people who haven't found their place quite yet. At 16 or 17 or 18, my belief of who I would become versus who I am today couldn't be more different. But man, I love my life. I love my job. I love my friends. I love my family. And I love myself. So yeah, all that probably sounds kind of cheesy, but I hope that I can deliver it in such a way to these kids over the course of my year with them that they take that into the world, right? If they're not going to learn that uh, a certain f-stop gets you a certain depth of field or that a certain shutter speed is best used for when taking pictures of lightning or if they're not going to learn that a high ISO cripples your image unless you're able to uh, use a high-end camera. Uh, I want them to just know that life is awesome. So that is a really long and really philosophical number one on the three count. So let's get to number two. So number two on this week's three count is a little bit about uh, 3D printing. Uh, Maybe you are a 3D printer. Maybe you have a 3D printer. Maybe you love 3D printing already. But I own a 3D printer, and a lot of times people say, like, that's really cool. What do you do with it? (laughs) So I want to talk a little bit about uh, this is our tech, right? We don't get to talk a lot about tech on this show. Um, So 3D printing, in case you don't know. uh, So I have a 3D printer. I'm right now printing a 2-inch by 4-inch cylinder because a friend of mine needs that. So I'm making that for him right now. That's why I'm recording in my living room, right? So uh, 3D printing basically is taking a 3D object on your computer uh, and you send it to a printer. And you have a physical machine in your house that pushes plastic uh, usually on a spool through an extruder that kind of heats up. It's a little bit like a hot glue gun, really, kind of the same philosophy. There's a lot of different types of materials that you can use. Now, again, you may be saying, why would you 3D print? So I just want to tell you guys a little bit of a story about the time that a 3D printer maybe saved my cat's life. So uh, I've printed a lot of things on the 3D printer, just a lot of goofy little things. There's actually a website if you're interested in 3D printing and you want to get a general idea of what you can do with it. It's thingiverse.com. That's thingiverse.com. 
You can go on there and see what people have made. You can download objects from there and print them at home. Uh, it's a cool crowdsourced community. Uh, and you'll see on there some of the things that people do. A lot of it is creating for the sake of creating, trying to blaze a path as to what 3D printing is going to become in the future. But I had an instance one time. So my cat is Amigo. Uh, Amigo is literally my favorite thing on the planet. He he really, he's my, he is my life. He is my joy. He is my lifeblood. He is my emotional support kitten. Uh, I struggle a lot with how much is on my plate sometimes. And to just sit there and have this beautiful adorable little thing come over and lay on me and kiss me. And believe it or not, he does this cute little thing where if I'm not petting him, he grabs my hand with his paw and makes me pet his head. And it's seriously, I don't have kids, but it's, it's, it's the best thing in the world to have this little thing that just absolutely adores you. So Amigo is 12 years old and he's had a couple of health problems in his life. About eight years ago, he had some sort of bladder disease, which puts him on a special, very expensive diet for the rest of his life. <laughs> then about uh, three years ago, he stopped eating and would would regurgitate any food that he did eat. And basically what happened was a lot of his internal organs were shutting down and it really looked like I was going to lose him. And it absolutely broke my heart. This is my best friend on the planet, really. As crazy as this, as crazy as that is, he he is my best friend ever. He, I work from home. I've worked from home for years. He's the thing that I see more than anything in this world. He's the living thing that I see more than any person ever. So Amigo is kind of on death's doorstep, and you wouldn't believe it, but. The doctor actually recommended that I give him a feeding tube. Yes, uh, they performed a surgery and installed a feeding tube in his neck, and I had to feed him with needles for like, or syringes, excuse me, for like three weeks, and he wasn't getting better. And then this is actually a funny story is there's this restaurant that I work with a lot, and they give me free food every time I go there, and I came home and I was eating their wings and I was petting my cat who we were sure was going to die in the next few days. And I fell asleep on the couch and I woke up the next day and all of the barbecue wings that I had left on the table, because I do that a lot. I fall asleep on the couch after eating because I get home from work late a lot. They were all strewn throughout the house and the cat was eating the meat off of the bones <laughs> and he, after that, he got his appetite back, and he no longer needed to use his feeding tube, and that was awesome. So uh, he got healthy, and he was going to survive, and then about a year and a half later, or was it six months later, whatever the case was, he got this horrible ear infection, and his ear, like, it got very large and swollen, and they had to do surgery on it, and the thing is, for as much as this cat is my baby and my best friend and the sweetest thing in the entire world, when I take him to the vet, he is Hellcat. Literally all three times I've had to take him to the vet in his life, uh, I either had to stay there because he would attack the people or I had to lay by his cage 
And he was in a separate room. They actually put my beautiful cat in a separate room because he wouldn't stop meowing and screaming. So I'd have to lay by his cage and pet him and keep him quiet. Um, So they knocked him out for this operation on his ear. And they put a cone on him so he wouldn't scratch his ear. He had to have the cone on him for three weeks which is nothing compared to syringe feeding him three times a day for three weeks. But uh, when he got home, because cats got these little smushed faces, they don't have the snout like the dog, he went to eat, and he couldn't because the cone was so big. It, It just, you know, imagine, yeah, imagine having a cone around your head and trying to put your face, how do I put this? So, like, he had... He had his food on the ground and his little snout couldn't reach his food because his cone was so big. So I put his food up on like a soup can. So it was lifted a little bit and he could like get the cone around it. But inevitably the cone would knock over the soup can. So I was like, man, if only there was a way that I could build a base and have some sort of stick by the way, the cat just entered the room. So let's see uh, Let's see if he knocks over the microphone or meows. Like I said, he's my best friend in the world. He sits next to me all the time. Hi, bud. Um, so I said, if only there was a way I could build a base that had some sort of stick coming up it uh, on the backside, some sort of stand, if you will, a pole, and it could hold his food kind of suspended in the air. I'll post a picture of this so you guys can understand it. But basically, it made it like his bowl floated. So when he came up to eat, the cone underneath his chin would go under the bowl, and it wouldn't knock anything over. And the cone over top of his head would just be up in the air. But long story short, that's what I did. I 3D printed this suspended-in-the-air cat bowl so my amigo could eat his food. And that's the best use of 3D printing ever. I was actually able to create the file in Photoshop. If you're a Photoshop user and you have a good enough computer, you see there's a little option that says uh, 3D, and you could take a 2D object and say, okay, now make this one inch tall and make this five inches tall. Okay, now take this circle and put it here. So long story short, that's what I did. That's the best practical application I've ever had for 3D printing was making sure my cat was able to eat with all of his various health problems. Uh, so what does the future of 3d printing look like? Well, like I said, right now, it's just a lot of people trying to pioneer this idea. 3d printing is kind of slow. It can be a little expensive. My printer was not, I actually got my printer. I got my printer in a trade for toys, which was awesome. Um, but it's a, uh, I actually have, it's like a kid's 3d printer. It's called a Da Vinci junior and each spool of plastic which is a PLA plastic. There's a lot of different materials that you can use. Uh, it's about 20 bucks or so, and I get to print usually 20 or 30 or 40 items with it, depending on the infill and so on and so forth. So where's 3D printing going? Where do I think the future 3D printing is heading? Uh, well, here's what I'll say. There's a lot of things in this world that don't involve electronics that we need in our house. Everything from cups and bowls to a lot of different types of toys. Now, right now, my 3D printer has what's, uh, I believe it's a 0.4 millimeter extruder, meaning it can't do a lot of fine details. It 
just creates a lot of basic shapes. But there are high-end 3D printers out there that can do things that look like they came from a store, right? Which is amazing. In addition to that, some of the new 3D printers I actually pulled up a list. Let me see if I can grab it real quick. Some of the new 3D printers do a lot of different types of materials. There's ABS. There's 3D printers that do things that are kind of flexible and rubber. Uh, there's 3D printers that can print nylon. There's 3D printers that can do carbon fiber filled. Uh, there's 3D printers out there that can do uh, polycarbonate, right? There's things that uh, they do a hybrid of, of metal. It's a metal-filled material. There's a wood-filled material. Uh, we're getting to the point where 3D printers can make anything with almost any material. And that's only going to improve in the future. So I almost envision this world, follow along with me, maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 years in the future, where everyone has a 3D printer. And we're obviously hitting the death of retail, okay? I mean, people still go to stores, but... A lot of people, excuse me, a lot of people uh, buy things online. Well, imagine if you are, and Sean from MRC Tech will love this. Imagine if you're a Lego guy and you lost a piece or you have an idea for a, a Lego, you know, my own creation kind of thing. And you need a piece and you don't know how or where you're going to get it. Imagine being able to go to lego.com slash 3D build and you can make the piece and you could pay Lego. Let's say they license the, you know, they sell you the pieces for five cents or 25 cents or 60 cents or $2 or $5, depending on the difficulty or rarity. And you just print it out and you have uh, Lego could sell their own type of filament and say, oh yeah, this is our, this is our Lego filament. You know, Lego right now I think is ABS plastic, uh, which a lot of 3d printers can already handle. They're trying to move away from that. But again, a lot of 3d printers are now doing a lot of more eco-friendly materials, things that aren't plastic. So imagine that, imagine a piece for your car. Now I'm not talking about something for the engine, but Let's just say a little little piece of something breaks on your car. Well, it's just plastic. Instead of going to the dealership or ordering it from China, you could print it at home. You could go to Ford's website and say, oh, I need a new, uh, maybe a little lock for, for, for the car. Okay, And you pull off the little plastic lock in your car and you put the new one on there. Now, it's interesting. We obviously are in a global economy right now where we import a lot of things from China uh, of course, there's the idea that if you can print products at home and you're no longer going to retail spaces, it could have uh, economic ramifications, but we're heading in that direction already, right? There's so many things that I order that come with the China Post sticker on it. You know, it, it was imported directly from China. Obviously, we're doing, we have issues with tariffs and whatnot, but this economy is heading uh, in a new direction, and our young people and anyone really under 40 has to be thinking about, is my job going to be around long enough for me to retire? Or am I going to be willing to change jobs? Uh, and there's just all these opportunities in the tech in the tech sector, for better or worse. You know, you think about something like automation. How many jobs is that going to take? 
But then you also think about computer programming and how many jobs did that create? So uh, obviously I'm worried about that, but we could get to a point where homes have, oh yeah, okay, you know, our, our, our buddy Greg just bought his house. Uh, I don't know. Did the family that was there before leave the refrigerator and the dishwasher? Probably. A lot of times you don't take those new utilities to your house. So, oh yeah, it comes with the comes with the dishwasher. It comes with the refrigerator. It comes with the washer and the dryer. Oh yeah, and uh, you know, over in the corner of the kitchen is the maker space, and it comes with a three D printer. And that three D printer, you know, does plastic and it does polycarbonate and it does carbonate. Is that the right word? Uh, it does wood and it does metal and it does glass. Eventually, we'll be able to do glass if the extruder can get hot enough. And you can order items on demand. Now, right now with 3D printing, as evidenced by me recording in my living room, to print a two-inch by four-inch cylinder, it's going to take like six, seven hours on my printer. But everything eventually in this world gets quicker. So I really think it would be interesting in the future if homes came with 3D printers and they were basically a conduit between online retailers and the consumer, where we cut down on shipping, right? I mean, we live in a world where we're always thinking about the environment, and the one hurdle we can't seem to get over as the average person moves to more fuel-efficient vehicles and takes alternate forms of transportation, such as walking or riding their bike or public transit, we still have these massive 18-wheelers driving on the highway because they have to deliver stuff. <laughs> you know, we still have... These stores, these retail stores that are open for 14, 16 hours a day that are running all sorts of electricity, okay? So as much as it could have dire consequences on the economy, thus destroying the retail space, we're already heading in that direction. So again, just imagine if we could harness the goodness of that and no longer import from China. Now I'm speaking as an American. I know from my website, I have a couple international listeners and part of my ignorance, if anything I'm saying here is wrong, but yeah, just imagine you can go on your computer and be like, oh, I want that. Think about Christmas time. Okay. Obviously Furbies have electro, you know, electronics in them and Tickle Me Elmo had the electronics in them, but the, the littlest pet shop stuff or the Iron Man action figure or whatever. Just imagine if it says, oh my goodness gracious, yeah, I'm going to buy that. And I have all the materials here at home. Or, or I got them at the local store or whatever. And you can just print your toys at home. You could print. I had a thing where I lost the back of my, uh, my remote. And the batteries always fell out. And I said, wow, do you think I could 3D print? A new back for my remote? Yeah, no problem. Did it. That's there's there's a lot of a lot of options for the future, and I really think three D printing can and should catch on, and I think it will solve certain problems that maybe we didn't even know we had. Uh, I think it will change the world again. Do I think we're five years from that? No, I probably think we're I think we're probably closer to twenty, but I think eventually three D printers will be a utility in the home. Like I said, maybe we'll take a brand like Lego. Maybe uh, I think about phone cases. I've printed a phone case from my 3D printer. Uh, that's one less, you know, piece of plastic that I bought from China. Uh, again, not to say that buying things from China is intrinsically wrong, 
but it takes a lot of manpower for a factory in China to create that, ship it over to America, send it to an Amazon warehouse, an Amazon truck that's, you know, puffing, uh, <coughs> excuse me, that's puffing out the back, uh, hurting the environment, delivers that. Again, yeah, that we're employing people, and that, that's always the hard part when we talk about the evolution of tech. But, yeah, that's 3D printing kind of in a nutshell. If you really think about it, we could have a machine in our home that creates things we need. That's where I think 3D printing could head in 20 years or so. And I hope it does. I hope it gets there. I think that'd be cool. What are we going to do with all that extra free time? I don't know. How are we going to adapt in the global economy? I'm not sure. But that's just one semi-practical application slash total crackpot, I'm a crazy person theory as to where 3D printers are going to go. So, yeah, they're pretty cool. I highly recommend if if you're interested in 3D printing, you can get a used DaVinci Junior for a hundred bucks. Try it out. Try the different programs. Go on Thingiverse and download a bunch of different things and print them out. Uh, a lot of times, your local library has 3D printers. Uh, your kid's school might have 3D printers. Uh, your school may have 3D printers. Depending on how old you are, your your university probably has. Check it out and help me figure out other ways that we can practically use 3D printers. I would love to hear it. Again, at Ion Ryan on Twitter and Instagram and Ion Space Ryan on Facebook. It's a Facebook page. Uh, if you're a good enough sleuth, you'll be able to easily find my personal profile, and you're more than welcome to add me there as well. So, yeah, that's number two. We squeeze in a little bit of tech talk after a long philosophical Imagination Simmons throwback. <laughs> All right, number three. It's the big one. Spider-Man is leaving the MCU. Dun, dun, dun. So as Greg and Sam talked about on last week's episode of We Podcast, and we know things, and as we have found out now, and there's not too many more details, long story short, Sony and Disney could not come to an agreement that would allow Spider-Man to stay in the MCU. Uh, now, Greg and Sam had their own theories on this. Do Who's in worse shape? Is it the MCU or is it Spider-Man? Uh, now, I had sent out a tweet last week that basically just said, this ruins Spider-Man. At least the story arc they had. Because in a lot of ways, it was Spider-Man likes Tony. Spider-Man misses Tony. Spider-Man becomes Tony. Now... Tony Stark and Spider-Man are no longer intrinsically linked, which was an interesting decision from the beginning. I mean, that was a cool story, the way they brought him into the MCU like that, with Tony kind of being his BFF and father figure out the gate. Uh, that brought some of the best moments in MCU history. So um, now that I've had some more time to think about it, I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't. In a lot of ways, and we're going to talk a lot about DC when Sean and I get together to do We Podcast and We Know Things this Friday, uh, but Marvel's heading into a whole new phase, and shame on you if you haven't seen Endgame yet, but they're doing it without half of the original cast of the Avengers. In a lot of ways, especially with Disney now owning X-Men and Fantastic Four and Deadpool, they have so many more options in the MCU that I don't know if we have to or should ever see another movie with the name Avengers in the title. 
Uh, if we did and it didn't have Spider-Man in it, then, yeah, I think that would kind of suck. But I think the MCU's in a place where as much as I would love for them to have them, I don't think they need Spider-Man anymore. I think you have Thor. I think you have Guardians of the Galaxy. I think you have Black Panther. And I think you have a whole host of new characters that are joining the MCU that you could just kind of continue on. And I don't think that there's really all that much of a narrative hurdle that they have to get through. I don't think there's really any IOUs out there. It breaks my heart that we'll never get to see Morgan. That was her name, right? Uh, Iron Man's daughter. Have a heart-to-heart with Spider-Man over how much they miss Tony. But I feel like at the end of... And this... hope I don't think this is that much of a spoiler... At the end of the Sony Disney film, Spider-Man, Far From Home, Spider-Man basically becomes Tony, but not literally. He doesn't become Iron Man. He just becomes creative and resourceful and takes on some of Tony's best traits. And I think you can, I don't think that there's anything proprietary about that. I think that Spider-Man, like he does in the comics, can become 18, 19, 20, 25, 30 years old and become a tech genius without infringing upon any copyright issues. I think we can just see Peter Parker grow up and we all know as fans where his appreciation for science and where his empathy and his willing to sacrifice, we know its origins, but we don't really need to refer back to them. Obviously there's some characters You could fast forward a minute real quick. Spider-Man Far From Home obviously had Nick Fury, Maria Hill, and the big reveal at the end, which was uh, Talos, was actually Nick Fury the whole time. Um, But that doesn't need to be wrapped up in a Spider-Man movie. That can be wrapped up in in an MCU movie, right? They were not necessarily intrinsically linked. And the end of Far From Home... End it with nothing but Spider-Man characters making a splash. Boom, let's move on. I really don't think that it's the end of the world. And on the heels of the masterpiece, if you will, that is Into the Spider-Verse. I mean, Spider-Verse is one of my favorite comic arcs of all time. It made me become obsessed with Spider-Man and all the different all the different realities. Uh, Sony still has the rights to that. All right, so Sony can just move on. And they can make it into the Spider-Verse movie. They can they can really obviously they're talk there's talk of putting him with Venom. They can figure that out somehow, some way. They can bring in all the different versions of Peter Parker. Uh with you know, Ben Riley. Is that his name? Yeah. Um they could they could they could do that. They can make their own live action into the Spider-Verse. They can do the Sinister Six. They can do Craven's Last Hunt. Uh, they can do, ooh, can they do anything with Kingpin? I'm not sure on that front. Does anybody know? Ugh. Obviously, Netflix and Daredevil had Kingpin in it. Well, whatever the case is, there are so many villains that Spider Man can fight. He's got an awesome, awesome, awesome rogue gallery. And, uh, Yeah, I think he's going to be just fine. And I think the MCU is going to be just fine, too. You have the Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor, and Black Panther to anchor it. And you're introducing a lot of new heroes. You've got the Eternals. You've got 
Captain Marvel, uh, both of them are going to survive. It's not as bad as I once thought that it was necessarily, but I do think it's a shame uh, because I do think now that both franchises are slightly at risk. I liked when all the toys were in the same sandbox, especially with Deadpool and X-Men and Fantastic Four coming over to Disney. I really wanted to see some interaction, especially because, you know, Fantastic Four is based out of New York and Spider-Man is based out of New York and the X-Men are just a short swing away in kind of upstate New York or whatever. And, you know, Deadpool and Spider-Man, I just think would have been fun and interesting to have together, but we're going to be, we're going to be fine. So where does Spider-Man go from here? Well, if you saw the ending of Far From Home, and I'm not going to spoil it. Uh, the next movie really doesn't have to have much to do with 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 anything that's specifically Marvel related. Okay, it's it can be a really a coming of age tale, and if they're going to do, I think Tom Holland signed on for at least two more, maybe three more. Does he sign on for five Spider Man movies? I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, he's an awesome kid, but he's going to get older. So again, if you want to tell a story of him and MJ are growing up and him going to college. Cool. I mean, we saw that Sony acquired Insomniac games, so uh, they can really reach into the game. They could reach into that world and do some things. They could tell those stories or they could kind of intertwine the two things. Uh, there's nothing, you know, as, re- as it relates to multiverse type things. I mean, maybe they can't use that word. Remember years ago, um, before Disney acquired X-Men, they couldn't call Quicksilver a mutant. Uh, they couldn't use the word mutant at all because Fox owned the word mutant, uh, which was interesting. But yeah, I mean, they can do some sort of, of into the Spider-Verse live action type thing. They can do Sinister Six. They can do, there's a lot of great Spider-Man stories to be told and uh, you know, the, these movies aren't going to go on forever. I would actually love if, if Sony had a little bit of restraint and just said, okay, yeah, we're going to make three more. Basically going to make, you know, we had the two movies that was really three movies, four, five. Okay, yeah, I guess Spider-Man has been in, what, five movies? He was in Civil War. He was in both of the Avengers. He was in Homecoming, and he was in Far From Home. Tom Holland's done, yeah, five of uh, of the movies in the MCU. Um, okay, cool. Now kind of make your own unofficial trilogy. Okay. Which will ironically be Spider-Man three, four, and five that make that the Sony trilogy and have them cross paths with somebody like miles Morales. You could do that live action miles. I'm so in on that idea. Uh, you can build towards the sinister six. Uh, that's, it's actually probably kind of liberating in a way for Sony narratively, to not have to always say, like, well, where's Thor? Well, where's Captain Marvel? Well, where's, you know, where's Pepper Potts and all this? Yeah, just forget it, man. Just Spider-Man works as as a kid who who has his insecurities and doubts, and I think he'll survive. And as I said, MCU, come on. They, they have 10 new projects announced. Uh, they're they're going to be fine without Spider-Man. Uh, Sam and, and I'm actually, this shows you how much I, I know and like Sam and Greg. They had said that you could kind of use the term the kid. Well, where's the kid? Huh? Yeah. No, nah, not available. Not, nah, not around. Nah. Ever since, you know, 
you can even really add it into the story. Oh yeah, the kid ever since ever since Tony, uh, he doesn't come around anymore. He he's afraid that's going to be him or. Or, you know, it's too painful. Boom, gone. You wrote him out in one line. Everything's fine. You could have Nick Fury deliver that. Yeah, we don't work with the kid anymore. Uh, of course, MCU, which is great for its comedy, could could really actually have a lot of fun with it. Again, probably just calling him the kid. Uh, that, that's the name that immediately came to mind. That's the name that they invoked on uh, We Podcast and We Know Things. Uh, yeah, the kid, nah, can't, can't get in touch with the kid. Can't find the kid, uh, you know. I don't really want to be hanging out with children or something of that nature. So MCU is going to be just fine. Spider-Man is going to be just fine. It's the fans that pay in this. And that's, that's, that's the sad thing is because it would have been really cool with Doctor Strange's multiverse of madness coming up to have some Spider-Man Easter eggs sprinkled in there. But it's fine. We don't need them. We'll be fine. We'll be totally fine. So... Uh, yeah, that's my take on that. So, uh, guys, it's a shame, and I've been texting with them a little bit as I'm recording this podcast, and we're getting, we're really both running out of time. We both, as I said, have big personal and professional days and weeks ahead of us. Uh, I don't know if Damien's going to be able to join me for the AEW podcast. I'm going to go ahead and take a little break and try and beg him and and hope that maybe somehow he can make some time for me, but we were supposed to do it the other night. I got stuck at work late, couldn't do it, uh, and now it looks like that he's he's got his plate full uh, with his with his lovely daughter and f- wonderful family, and uh, like I said, his his very successful career. So uh, we're gonna take a little break right here. I may be back with Damien. I may not, and if I'm not, it's okay. We're gonna preview the all out card in depth. Who I think uh, the winners and losers are going to be. Uh, both literally and narratively. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Ion Ryan is a proud member of the We Pod Squad. Don't forget to tune in this Friday for a new episode of We Podcast and We Know Things. And next week for MRC Tech Presents The Last Podcast. All right, guys, so unfortunately, I was not able to hook up with Damien. Uh, that's a major bummer because that guy's so smart, and uh, I really get along great with him. I love having a co-host for things like that. But you're going to get me for our full-blown AEW All-Out preview. Uh, I believe we have 10 matches on the show, so we're going to run through them, talk a little bit about the buildup, talk about what's at stake, and maybe make a few predictions. Uh, so first off, we've got Private Party taking on Angelico. And Jack Evans, that's a pre-show match uh, between two tag teams. Now, Private Party, uh, we've talked about them, I believe, on the podcast before, but these guys are kind of the pinnacle of athleticism. Uh, They've got a massive, massive upside. And if you're talking about stars that AEW can make, uh, Private Party is, is a part of that conversation, right? Like, A big problem that TNA had years ago when they were trying to become the number one competitor to WWE is that they predominantly took WWE cast-offs or they took guys that couldn't cut it in WWE uh, for one reason or another, whether it was their look or their attitude or their past or really their talent level, their their upside was limited. Uh, Private Party is, they just got plucked from obscurity by the Young Bucks and 
they've really lived up to the hype. So this is going to be a great pre-show match. If you remember uh, for All Out, for a lot of wrestling shows, but for All Out, uh, the pre-show is probably going to be free on YouTube. So if you don't really know if you want to get in on this or not, watch that, okay? Uh, so in this match, I think Private Party will likely go over. Right now in AEW, despite the fact that wins and losses will eventually matter once they get to television, uh, most of these guys are so over with the crowd that it's sometimes not a bad idea. If Private Party does lose, it would be a huge boost for Angelico and Jack Evans, right? So... Uh, But my prediction there is private party goes over. They get the crowd hot coming out the gate. uh, And that's really what AEW's pre-show has been lacking at times. So uh, picking private party there. It should be a really athletic and enjoyable match. And hopefully these guys, um, you know, they they take a lot of risks and they do a lot of high spots. So hopefully everybody can make it through there healthy. Okay. Okay. Next up on the pre-show is the 21-woman Casino Battle Royale. And the winner is going to receive a match for the AEW Women's Championship scheduled for October 2nd uh, uh, for AEW's uh, debut on TNT. So the women we have announced that match in the Battle Royal. Now, if you don't know how Battle Royal works, basically uh, with this one, everybody picks a different suit. Okay, and they come into the ring. Uh, all right, we're going to bring in all the clubs. We're going to bring in all the diamonds. We're going to bring in all the hearts. We're going to bring in all the spades, right? So one suit starts in the ring. And uh, the fact that it's 21, and we saw this with Hangman Page, is uh, I guess one person's going to kind of get to enter by themselves at the end. Could be a surprise. Could be somebody like Nyla Rose, who's rather, um, you know, she's one of the biggest women in the Battle Royal. And, of course, it could be like Brandy Rhodes, right? If they're kind of going with that gimmick where she's going to stack the cards in her favor. Uh, so the competitors in that match are Nyla Rose. Uh, these are the announced competitors. Nyla Rose, Britt Baker, Allie, Brandy Rhodes, Teal Piper, who is Roddy, uh, you know, Roddy Piper's daughter making her wrestling debut. Ivelisse, who uh, she was in Lucha Underground. She's a really talented performer. Jazz, uh, who is... I don't, I don't think she's a WWE Hall of Famer, but, I mean, she's a fantastic wrestler. Maybe she is. Um, a wrestler named Big Swole? Mm, I don't know about that one. Uh, Sadie Gibbs, who is really a blue-chip top prospect for AEW. She's got a fantastic look. Uh, that was a big get for them. You know, that's the kind of person that probably could have went to WWE in the past, but she chose AEW. So watch out for Sadie Gibbs as a potential uh, Dark Horse favorite in that match. Awesome Kong, hot off uh, the season three debut of Glow, is in the match. And we have 11 under eleven other competitors who have yet to be announced. Now, those other 11 spots uh, could be a variety of people. Right now, the wrestling world with contracts, you don't really know who's totally exclusive to Ring of Honor or uh, TNA, Impact, whatever. Uh, it could also be a couple women from Japan, right? There's some women that have wrestled previously on cards that aren't on this card. So I wouldn't expect any massive surprises necessarily. If Sasha Banks didn't come back to WWE, I think there would have been speculation running rampant that she somehow maybe got out of her contract and was going to debut on the show. Uh, but yeah, there's I can't really peg a huge surprise. Now, with that said, I guess there is one thing that we need to talk about. And that's the fact that at Double or Nothing, they brought out Bret Hart to show off the AEW Men's World Championship. 
So, uh, of course, Brandy could just walk to the ring with the women's championship and say, here it is. Okay, but they are, they are advertising that the women will uh, get to see the belt for the first time and then the audience will get to see the belt for the very first time. So I've been trying to think a little bit about who could bring that belt to the ring. And I, I actually talked to some of my friends and said, well, what do you think? So there's a woman who could show up in the Battle Royal, um, Mercedes Martinez, right? Uh, she was awesome in the Mae Young Classic for WWE. So she could pop up in the Battle Royal or she could be the one that like brings it to the ring. Who knows? Um, somebody guessed Melina. Uh, I mean, that's somebody that has WWE cred. I don't know if she has great wrestling cred. But um, I'm going to go out on a really far limb here. And this is not really a prediction. But if it happens, I want you guys to be like, oh, my goodness. Ion Ryan predicted that. All Out is in Chicago. So everybody thinks that CM Punk is going to show up. He's not, okay? Putting that out there. CM Punk is not debuting for AEW in Chicago. There's, there's a 1% chance of that happening. But CM Punk is married to a young lady by the name of AJ Lee, who helped blaze the path for the women in WWE, right? She was, she was one of the first women to get really good angles and have really good matches and really take it seriously. She's a lifelong fan of professional wrestling. And if you want to pop the crowd, if you want to get things trending on Twitter, especially because this match is on the pre-show, when you want to debut the AEW women's title, have AJ Lee bring it out. And, you know, she can say, well, maybe down the line. See, I guess that's what's so hard is nobody thought that Bret Hart was signing with uh, AEW. Nobody thought that he was coming out of retirement to wrestle. AJ Lee's so young. I mean, she's probably like 29. She's she's so young that if she comes out at AEW, people are going to think, oh my gosh, here she is. She's debuting. And I don't think that's the case. So maybe that could blow up in their face. But if you want to get yourself trending on the pre-show, guaranteed, yeah, uh, AJ Lee is the woman to bring out the title that would get things uh, uh, trending. I'm trying to think if there's really anyone else you know, WWE hasn't really invested in their women until recently. So you're not going to see like Sable or Trish Stratus or Lita or anyone bring out the belt. At least I don't think, I don't think Lita would do that. I think she's a WWE person through and through. So there's not a huge list of legends to, to go through. Uh, I wonder about somebody like Tessa Blanchard. I wonder where her contract stands she could be that person that comes out at 21, especially with, with her dad being involved in AEW now, and that would pop the crowd. Very few women have had a better year, better two years than Tessa Blanchard. Uh, we all know she's an exceptionally talented professional wrestler, um, and that would be a huge get for AEW. So uh, my prediction there, so it says the winner will receive a match for the inaugural uh, women's championship title match at you know, the debut show of AEW. Now, I don't know who that other competitor is actually supposed to be. There, there's no other number one contendership to my knowledge. So who they're fighting, it's not, it's, you know, it's not like the Jericho, uh, hangman page thing where we would know by the end of the night, what the match was going to be. So it's really hard to pick a winner. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to guess that it's going to be Britt Baker, uh, Britt Baker, uh, is a fantastic wrestler. She's a dentist. She's brilliant. She's marketable. 
she's a great first champion for them to have. And she's got a lot of versatility, I think, in the fact that when you see Britt Baker, you're like, oh, wow, I really like her. Uh, she's, she's a dentist. Good for her, you know. But she also has that look where I think Britt Baker could be a real a real meanie. <laughs> I think she could be a great bad guy down the road. So I'm predicting that Britt Baker is going to win the Battle Royal, probably eliminating Nyla Rose or Awesome Kong last. Usually it's a big person that gets eliminated last. Who she goes on to fight? On TNT on October 2nd, I'm not sure, but I like the idea of Britt Baker winning that match. Uh, So another match was just announced, uh, making it the 10th match on the all-out card. Not sure if this is pre-show, but it is SCU, which is, um, you know, Daniels, uh, Kazarian, and uh, Scorpio. They're going to be taking on Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Marco Stunt. Uh, now, I'm really conflicted on this match kind of in general, and, and I'm going to put this out there right now. AEW has a little bit of a small problem, like a tiny, tiny little problem. And that tiny little problem is this, that looking at the card, okay, Chris Jericho is supposed to be a bad guy, but people are going to cheer him. Uh, Pac, who's taking on Kenny Omega, and we'll get into that in a second, probably supposed to be a, a bad guy, but people are going to cheer him. Uh, the Dark Order... They're a tag team. Yeah, they're heels. Okay, people are gonna, people are definitely going to boo them. Lucha Brothers, who are taking on the Young Bucks, both of those guys are going to get cheered. Uh, Sean Spears versus Cody. Yeah, Sean Spears has, like, you know, major heat. But um, eventually AEW is going to have to take some of their most popular over guys, and they're going to have to become bad guys. Now, I'm not saying that SCU or Luchasaurus or, you know, Luchasaurus, Marco Stunt, and Jungle Boy – are the guys to turn heel, or I'm not saying SCU are the guys to turn heel, but it's just another face-versus-face matchup, and there's actually kind of a couple of those on this card. So I guess really that's just a showcase, especially for Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, who are like way over. I don't know if I need Marco Stunt in there with them. I think they worked better as a tag team and not as a trio. Uh, Maybe you can advance the story that Marco Stunt turns on Jungle Boy. They're both kind of tiny wrestlers, and that could be a feud for Jungle Boy out the gate. And uh, Marco Stunt could be a real good, shifty little bad guy. I mean, he's a tiny little guy. So uh, my prediction there is that maybe something happens between Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt, and SCU goes over. So I don't know if that's a pre-show match or not. It was just announced. It seems like a pre-show match. Uh, but next up on the card, again, we don't really know match order yet, is Darby Allen versus Joey Janela versus Jimmy Havoc in a three-way. Now, all three of these guys, it's really amazing. They, they're all capable of hardcore wrestling. And I'm not sure in this three-way match, I guess usually three-ways are no disqualification no matter what for whatever reason. Uh, but I don't think it's an official hardcore match. But again, you have three faces here. They teamed together at the last pay-per-view, uh, and it was after the match, after they lost, that they got into a conflict, and they told that story on one of the AEW shows. Uh, maybe it was being the Elite, maybe it was Road to All Out, but uh, you have three guys here that probably should be heels, ironically. They should be bad guys, but the crowd just loves them so much because they're so reckless, and that translates to them being passionate. Winner of this match, I think, probably has to be Darby Allen. At the last pay-per-view, I believe he was pinned by Sean Spears, and he was already pinned by Cody Rhodes. So, Well, it was, no, it was a time limit draw, but whatever the case is, he didn't win. So uh, 
Darby Allen versus Joey Janela versus Jimmy Havoc. All these guys are very capable wrestlers, but they're also capable of being very violent. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens in this match. But I think Darby Allen's going to go over because I really think Darby Allen is the guy. Uh, he, again, similar to Private Party, similar to Britt Baker, uh, he can be a star that AEW makes like very quickly. Uh, obviously, he's got roots in Evolve. He did fantastic there, but. To a national television audience, you look at Darby Allen, and I think a lot of people can say, like, oh, he's really cool. Plus, I believe he's like 23 years old, maybe even younger. So I'm picking Darby in that three-way. Uh, next up on the card is, oh, my goodness. See, this is one of those classic instances of I should have like practiced this stuff in the mirror before I, I got to it. Uh, but it's two of our Japanese stars. It's Riho, who she was in that three-way with Nyla, with uh, Nyla Rose. I almost called Nyla Rose Nyla Jax. Uh, my apologies to Nyla Rose. Uh, she was in that three-way with Nyla Rose at the last pay-per-view, and she did a fantastic job. She's got so much charisma. Um, and then <sighs> I got to consult with my buddies. Hang on. Let me text them and ask them how to pronounce this woman's name. Okay. <laughs> Hikaru Shida. We hear that. Uh, I went to a website and asked how to pronounce her name. Hikaru Shida. Hikaru Shida. Can I just call her Shida? Okay. So this young lady, um, has actually been wrestling for, I think over a decade and she's actually had matches with Kenny Omega, Asuka, Dakota Kai, uh, from, you know, the two, the, the two of which are from WWE. Uh, she could be in that match on October the 2nd on TNT. She could be AEW's breakout female star. Uh, and the fact that you're bringing an export and excuse me, an import in from another country who nobody in North America has really seen, or at least not a lot of people have. Uh, and this woman is so talented. Uh, she she wrestled at Double or Nothing, but she hasn't wrestled at the past two pay per views. Um, but she is a really talented wrestler. Uh, as you saw, she fought Dakota Kai and Asuka, and she fought Kenny Omega. Um, uh, in Japan, she's like an actress. Uh, she's very well known and very well liked. She has a really great look about her. If you follow her on Instagram, she just looks like a star. And sometimes that 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 counts for things. So expect her to go over here. Because I think Riho has had a pretty good uh, showing through the first few pay-per-views for AEW. I don't think that she needs the victory. Um, but I think uh, Sheeta does. <laughs> so that women's match is... It's currently announced for the main card. I don't know if there's any potential of it getting moved to the pre-show. I mean, with them having the women's paper, uh, battle royal, I don't think that will happen. So be really interested to see what they do in this match because they're really educating the North American audience on both of these both of these women. They're going to rely heavily on them come TNT time. So. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a fantastic, uh, fantastic match. Sorry if I'm overusing fantastic. I need to bust out new adjectives. Uh, so next match on the card that we're going to talk about is the best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta versus the Dark Order. Now, if you remember the Dark Order guys, they got the whole Lights Out debut at Double or Nothing, but nobody knew what to call them. Uh, they were the Super Smash Brothers that were wrestling in Chikara and P... Uh, uh, PWG, I guess. Um, 
Uh, but they couldn't call them Super Smash Brothers because that's a Nintendo game that is copyrighted by Nintendo, I imagine. So they're now calling themselves the Dark Order. Uh, the winner of this match will receive a first-round buy in the AEW World Tag Team Championship Tournament, which uh, is going to wrap up. Uh, it's going to start with the first showing on TNT on October 2nd, and I think it wraps up kind of by the end of the month. It's not at the Philly show, which is the third show. Maybe it's it's uh, maybe it's the fifth week. I believe that's what it is. I think it's the fifth week that it will wrap up. Uh, so the winner of this match gets a first round buy, which is very valuable in a tournament. And uh, this is a total toss up. The best friends have done a really good job on the road to all out, kind of getting themselves over. I mean, the whole world. Uh, the whole world of wrestling enjoys these guys. They love the gimmick that they're best friends and that they hug and that they work together well in the ring and they have really unique move sets. But uh, AEW needs bad guys, right? They need bad guys. And if you squash the Dark Order in in you know one of your major pay per views and all out, uh, they're going to lose a lot of credibility. So I think we're going to see the Dark Order go over here. It's funny. I. I Typically, uh, the two guys in there are Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, and uh, I'm not a huge fan, really, of um, uh, the larger gentleman, who I'm going to go ahead and guess is Stu Grayson. Uh, nope, I lied. It's Evil Uno, who's who's the heavy set guy. Um, I, I never really like big wrestlers. I know that's goofy, but a lot of times their style just doesn't jive with me. Um but when you put them in a tag team and you have a big wrestler and a small wrestler, that creates a lot of versatility that you get movement and you also get power, which is a good combo, especially to have in a tag team tournament. So uh, my my winner here is going to be the Dark Order, and I think they're going to kind of wreak some havoc over in that first week when they don't have to wrestle in the tag team tournament. I think they'll still make their impact felt. So uh Dark Order going over here is my prediction. Uh, next up, goodness gracious, we're really into the big matches here. So I'm actually going to cut to... Let's do the other tag team match on the card, which is a ladder match between the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks. Now, they're really kind of testing the limits here as to how many times we want to see the Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks. But they did add in the ladder match stipulation. But if you watch Worldwide International Wrestling, you've seen these guys go against each other several times. And they have been telling the story from the very beginning that really whoever wins this feud is the best tag team in the world, which that's cool. That not only are the AAA titles on the line, uh, for those of you that don't know, the Lucha Brothers have reclaimed those titles and they're putting them, they're putting them back up on the line. Um, but yeah, the title of best tag team in the world is kind of on the line here. And uh, what's good is either team can win. Nobody desperately needs the victory. I mean, I think ideally Lucha Brothers go over here. That way they can keep the AAA titles. They can go back to Mexico. And sometime between now and October 2nd, they can drop those belts to another tag team. But uh, listen, we're not here for the winner of that match. I'll be honest. We're, we're here to see what they're going to do. You have four of the fastest, most talented professional wrestlers on the planet uh, that are willing to take massive risks. That are, you know, both teams are brothers, and they really, they really jive well with one another. That's the nerdiest thing. They really jive well, but they do. Uh, they they have chemistry as tag teams. Uh, 
with both with their partner and subsequently with their opponents. So this is going to be a great match. It could actually, I guess it's not going to be the main event, but um, it, it could have been. Really, it could have been because I think they're they're going to tear the house down on this match. But I got to go with the Lucha Brothers over the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks don't need the victory. In addition to that, going into AEW television, I think we're actually going to see most of the elite losing. So uh, that brings me to, I guess we'll go with Cody and Sean Spears. For me, up until some recent developments, this was the match of the night. The thing I love about this match is Sean Spears was Ty Dillinger in WWE. And he was a great act. And he came out with his 10, 10, 10. And that was fun. He debuted at the, at the Royal Rumble, number 10. You know, like, that was cool. It was a good little, good little gimmick for him. But that chair shot that he put on Cody was vicious. It was violent. A lot of people were kind of disgusted by it. Because you really could have ended Cody's career, or God forbid, his life. I know that sounds melodramatic, but but that's what the stakes are supposed to be for this match. And Sean Spears has gone out and gotten the help of Tully Blanchard. Tully Blanchard, comeback wrestler of the year. Now, obviously, he's not wrestling, but he is accompanying Sean Spears to the ring. The work that they've done on the Road to All Out series, and if you have a chance between now and Saturday to watch it, I can't recommend it enough especially episodes like one and two. That's when they talk a lot about Sean and Cody. Uh, Sean Spears is an SOB. I hate him. I hate him. I went from loving him. I love Ty Dillinger. I have a picture of Ty Dillinger in my office, okay? But they have portrayed him as such a sick, self-centered SOB who's trying to take down Cody, which is awesome. When you can take the owner of the company and make him a tried and true underdog because he's facing a challenger that wants to end him. I mean, uh, I talk about the road to all out, go watch the Brandy Rhodes video. Your mind will be blown. Okay. That's the road to all out series on YouTube. Brandy Rhodes cut a four minute promo on why she hates Sean Spears and why she wants Cody Rhodes to end his career. Uh, it's fantastic. I made my mother watch that, and she was like, wow. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that in wrestling. Brandy delivered. Now, here's the interesting thing. Uh, In Road to All Out, they announced that although Cody usually comes to the ring with his entourage, which is like Glacier, DDP, Tommy Dreamer, his brother-in-law, his father-in-law, his dog Pharaoh, his wife Brandy, he's only allowed to keep one person at ringside. Now, this is one of those things, and I'm not sure. I watched Being the Elite today. I don't know if we'll get another episode of Road to All Out between now and the show. Maybe he announces uh, who his, not partner is, but who his kind of enforcer is at the ring. Maybe it is Brandy, right? Brandy's a good person to have in your corner. Uh, maybe it's his brother Dustin. Maybe it's somebody obvious like that. There's also that small part of you where it's like, Hmm, could it be a surprise? So you got somebody like Arn Anderson, which maybe that doesn't make a lot of sense because Tully and Arn were in uh, in the Four Horsemen together. So for all intents and purposes, they're kind of friends, at least, you know, broad stroke. For people that don't know the history of wrestling, and if Tully and Arn ever butted heads, I don't know. I just, they're all horsemen. They, they're both horsemen. So it's not going to be them. 
Uh, I don't think it'll be Arn, but maybe it will be. I love Arn Anderson, and I'd be happy to see him. And he could say, you know, it takes a horseman to it takes a horseman to stop a horseman. So Tully Blanchard doesn't get involved. That's funny. We're talking about fifty-six-year-old men, and I'm sitting here worried about how Tully Blanchard could screw Cody. That's how good they've done with the storytelling so far. Um, so maybe Arn comes out to neutralize Tully. That's possible. Uh, another outside the box pick. When you think about guys the Four Horsemen feuded with, uh, Magnum TA. Now the problem with that is Magnum TA is a old man now, <laughs> and uh, I'm not quite sure if he would be instantly recognizable to the average wrestling fan. I'm also not sure of his, you know, physical health. Obviously, Magnum TA had to retire a long time ago, so uh, I don't know if that would get the pop that they would desire in a spot like this. Uh, so here's my outside-the-box prediction. And no, it's not CM Punk. Stop saying that. But it is somebody that's billed from Chicago. And uh, my outside-the-box prediction, just because the visuals of it kind of get me excited right off, right, right out the gate here, what about Road Warrior Animal, okay? Uh, Legion of Doom Animal. Uh, that's, what's his real name? Joe Laurinaitis, maybe? I know his last name's Laurinaitis, but um, imagine Cody coming out with a Road Warrior who's billed from Chicago, who's had major beef with Tully, right, <laughs> in the past, with major beef with the Four Horsemen. Imagine Cody coming out wearing those pads with all the spikes on it. And I mean, uh, Animal is still like, <laughs> he's a massive man to this day. Uh, and that would be an awesome enforcer for him to have in his corner. Uh, and again, I just envision the entrance. Cody's done so many fantastic entrances uh, through these first couple of pay-per-views that you got to wonder, uh, could, it, could he wear those shoulder pads that Road Warriors are famous for? Could he wear the face paint? Could he do a twist on it that incorporates, you know, a stardust type thing or a gold dust type thing or a dusty type thing uh, with those AEW gold colors? He could always do that. So that's my outside the box pick for who is going to be uh, at ringside in Cody's corner. Of course, it probably is just going to be Brandy or it's going to be Dustin, right? I mean, that makes sense, but. I don't know. I feel like you announce that beforehand if it's if it's going to be just somebody you kind of expect. So let's see. Um, I forget when Road to All Out usually drops, if it's Monday nights or Tuesday nights, if we actually get an announcement on that front. But uh, we will see. I'm recording before Monday or Tuesday, even if you're – so you may know. I may have just wasted six minutes of your life, and I apologize for that. So who goes over in this match? Well, uh, like I said, AEW needs bad guys. They need bad guys that are threatening. Uh, and um, I think Sean Spears beats Cody Rhodes here. Uh, I see no reason for Cody to win this match. He doesn't need to. Okay, people are going to love and support Cody no matter what. We have to prove that Sean Spears is not a one-trick pony who can only get the upper hand on Cody when he hits him with an uh, unprotected chair shot. We have to say, no, 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 Sean Spears is the real deal. And uh, if you want to, after the match, have him go over the top and maybe somebody comes out, probably MJF. Oh, that's who else it could be that stays in Cody's corners, MJF. He's not even on this card. Uh, it's one of AEW's top prospects. He's not even on the card. So maybe it will be MJF. 
uh, or he could just be the guy that makes the save after the match if, if Sean Spears takes it to a new level. So I'm predicting Sean Spears wins here. Uh, next up on the card, and this is kind of the breaking news of, of AEW, you have Kenny Omega versus Pac. Pac, formerly known as Neville, was supposed to debut at Double or Nothing, but something happened. Uh, there's rumors that he kind of screwed them. There's rumors that maybe there was just a work visa issue. Uh, but he was holding some sort of championship uh, for a European company. And I guess he didn't want to lose. So uh, it was supposed to be him versus Hangman Page. They started to develop that story when AEW was announced. And it kind of fell flat. But unfortunately, John Moxley has a MRSA infection in his elbow. And uh, it was actually really interesting because that Kenny Omega Moxley feud, they're trying to keep it hot on uh, the most recent episode of Being the Elite. Kenny goes after Mox and basically just says, like, well, it's your fault that you got injured. Like, you went over to Japan and wrestled 21 matches in the span of a month, and you did all these indie dates, and you did all this stupid hardcore stuff, and you did it to yourself, which was a really really interesting angle for Omega to take because usually Omega is so respectful and uh, he he was basically calling out Mox and I'm not sure what to make of that, but this is crazy that one of the most anticipated matches of All Out is now canceled, but it's kind of a good thing because now you have Mox versus Omega in your back pocket. So whether you save it until next year's May event, if they do like a double or nothing type thing again or uh, you know, you figure right now AEW, despite the fact that they've done three shows to this point, it's really double or nothing and all out that are kind of the pillars, okay? Whether you want to say one's Mania and one's SummerSlam or whatever. Similar to how WWE has four big shows a year, uh, AEW now has their two. Uh, Memorial Day weekend, Labor Day weekend. That's AEW weekend going forward, which is is it's awesome for them. Um so you have basically one of your future main events in your back pocket, Kenny Omega and John Moxley. And the fact that Omega went after him like that, he very easily could have done what everyone else did and said, like, oh, get, get well soon, John. Sorry about the infection. Looking forward to working with you in the future. But Omega blamed Moxley. Like, screw you, dude. You screwed up all out. You screwed up our match. You brought this upon yourself. You deserve it. Which, again, is way more hardcore than I expected Kenny Omega uh, that's a way more ang- hardcore angle uh, than I expected Kenny Omega to take because he's usually such like a nice, meek, and mild man who's humble. Uh, but I love that. I love that he basically blamed Moxley, and we'll see where that goes in the future. But um, this this is the most insane thing ever. But Pac, formerly known as Neville, who screwed AEW, maybe, uh, for double or nothing, is now debuting for AEW. And he's fighting Kenny Omega. Now, it's no secret that since the Okada series that Omega had when people declared him one of the best wrestlers of all time because the matches against him and Okada, one, two, three, and four, yeah, they're they're in the top ten of the greatest matches of all time. Uh, Don't believe me? Watch them. Watch them all. Watch them intently. Watch the story that unfolds, and you're going to say, wow, I've never seen anything like this before. The stories that they told were absolutely outstanding. But since then, Omega, uh, you know, he got stuck in this like hardcore hell where like he fought Jericho in a hardcore match that I, I, I don't care. I don't really like hardcore matches at all. 
Uh, he fought Jericho at double or nothing. And like, cool. He put Jericho over, but like he was wrestling a 50 year old man. Um, so Omega needs that match. That's going to define him to the American audience and the national audience and say, Oh wow, this guy's legit. And it's kind of a blessing that Moxley got hurt because they probably would have just had another hardcore match with trash cans and tables and barbed wire. That's not where Kenny Omega excels. Kenny Omega is one of the best strikers in all of professional wrestling. He does those knees and those, you know, elbows and drop kicks and things like that. Like that's where Kenny Omega excels. So you're going from Moxley versus Omega to Pac versus Omega and I'm going to say it, I'm 10 times more excited for Pac versus Omega. There's a legit chance that this is match of the year. I mean, how lucky is AEW? They went from having the top free agent in all of professional wrestling with John Moxley and putting him in the high-profile match against maybe the best wrestler on the globe right now other than Okada. And they lost that match, and they were able to replace it with a guy in Pac who can keep up with Kenny Omega in a way that very few other wrestlers outside of Japan can do. And you, you, we could have a match of the year candidate. Uh, we, this is going to be a five-star match. If you only can watch one match on Sunday, it's Omega and Pac. These dudes are two of the premier athletes on the globe, bar none. Sounds crazy, but these guys are in better shape than most NFL, NBA, uh, Major League Baseball, and hockey players. Okay, these guys are in better shape than most MMA guys, than most boxers. I'm not kidding. When they come to the ring, you will see two physical specimens that are borderline unparalleled on the freaking globe. Okay, I don't care if they're performance wrestlers. Combat performance wrestlers, whatever Roman Reigns just recently said, these are two of the most athletic people on the planet, barring maybe Olympians, okay? Like Michael Phelps might be above them, okay? But I'm not kidding when I tell you that Pac and Omega has, has the opportunity to be match of the year, and it honestly has the opportunity if given the time, if told right, if both of these guys are dialed in, you're looking at a five-star match. Forget five stars. You're looking at a six-star match. I'm not kidding. You are looking at a plus five-star match. You're looking at a match that is going to blow Meltzer's mind. These guys, they can strike. They can fly. They can go fast. They can do technical wrestling. They can tell fantastic stories. And I'm so excited for Pac to get this opportunity. Okay. That's another WWE guy who they put him in the cruiserweight division that they turned him bad. And that was one of the best decisions they ever made because you would think that he would be like a sympathetic character because he's small or whatever, but he's so built that you look at him. You're like, you SOB, you could really hurt people. You are evil. Uh, they actually, uh, fast forward 10 seconds. If you're in the minivan, uh, they call him like like bastard Pac, right? Like he, he's just a jerk and he's got a face that you want to see get punched. So, uh, to imagine the prospect of Kenny Omega giving him a knee strike to the face, I, I'm, I'm positively giddy over that. So 
what's going to be the match of the night, what literally could be the match of the year, is Pac and Kenny Omega. And that match didn't come together until one week before All Out. So that just goes to show you that AEW's got the ammo. Okay, they do. They got the ammo. They got the fire. And they have in their back pocket for the future Omega versus Moxley. Okay, cool. That's great. They'll have a little hardcore match. It'll probably headline a pay-per-view in three months or six months or a year. Okay, we'll get back to that eventually. Okay, but Pac versus Omega. I, I almost really can't contain my excitement. If this match isn't five stars, I will be absolutely gutted. But I'm willing to say, because I know what Kenny Omega is capable of. And P.S., this is going to expose Omega. If, if this match is not the best match of the night and one of the best matches of the year and potentially one of the best matches of all time, that shoots Okada's stock over in New Japan through the roof. Because it says that Okada was the brains and and the brilliance behind those Omega-Okada matches. Okay, because Omega, quite frankly, hasn't delivered outside of Japan in the way that he's capable of. He hasn't proven to be the best wrestler on the planet when he doesn't have someone like Okada to tangle with. But now you got Pac. Unlimited potential. Unlimited athleticism. He can match Kenny Omega in every single way possible. So, uh, who wins here? Gosh. I'm not sure... I can pick against Kenny Omega, but by the same token, you've got a debuting Pac. You need bad guys. You need super evil, unstoppable bad guys. And maybe Kenny Omega loses. And maybe his record in AEW goes to what? Two and two, would it be? And that's actually kind of a more compelling story. Uh, you have the guy that's supposed to be the best wrestler on the planet and he's sitting at 500 in his AEW career. That's, that's, that's a great story to tell coming into TNT television. Yeah. Omega's just not focused or Omega just can't get the job done or he can't recapture the magic. So I wouldn't be shocked to see Pac go over here. I really want it. Ah, why, why bring him in and have him lose? So yeah, my pick is Pac. The man formerly known as Adrian Neville, okay, former NXT champion, former WWE cruiserweight champion, uh, almost nearly called Mighty Mouse by um, by Vince McMahon, the man that gravity forgot, who uh, left WWE on his terms. He made it ugly, but he said, I ain't doing this no more. I'm done. And uh, now he is with the number two professional wrestling company on the planet. And yeah. I see no reason to chop him down. Let him win. Pac over Omega in a six-star match. Fingers crossed. Uh, and the final match on the card, which is probably going to be the main event, is Adam Page versus Chris Jericho. And uh, I've said it before. I'll say it again. We have a small problem with this match. We do. Is the fact that Adam Page, who has limitless potential, hasn't really lived up to it yet. I hate to say that. I do. Well, when I first saw Paige doing a lot of those six-man tag matches, and he was like the third guy in there with the Young Bucks, and he's doing shooting star presses off of the ring apron onto the ground, 
I was like, this, this is the dude. This is the future of professional wrestling. Uh, you know, when he joined the Bullet Club, and you could kind of tell that he was under Cody's tutelage, it was like, yep, this is it. Paige is the dude. Paige is the future of professional wrestling. This is this is AEW's Adam Cole. This is AEW's Johnny Gargano. This is this is AEW's star. This is their top babyface. This is the guy that they're going to be able to push. Because they can't always push Omega or Cody or the Young Bucks. But they can push Adam Page, okay? They can build this star here. They can give him, uh, I think I said, I think it would be his first singles gold ever. It would be a world championship in the in the world's, uh, well, in the United States' second biggest company. So uh, that's obviously a big deal. It's good to build around somebody like Page, but he just hasn't quite gotten there yet. Now, again, with that said, I keep bringing up like Road to All Out. They do a really good job with these with these video packages on Road to All Out. Okay, they they had a video of like Adam Page bleeding and kind of saying that it was that blood that has reinvigorated him that he got maybe a little bit complacent or presumptuous and when what what Chris Jericho did to him the way he made him bleed uh, it, it it gave a fire put a fire in his belly. Cool. All right, kid. You can cut a little bit of a good promo on a pre-tape. Now uh, we got to see it in the ring. I said he's got, he's got, he's got the potential. You almost have to wonder. I was just talking about Pac. If at double or nothing, Page and Pac almost, you know, went to a time limit draw practically, or you know, they had the match of the night, we would all be thinking a little bit differently about Page. But I don't think I'm alone. I think Adam Page is a big old question mark. And you're talking about crowning AEW's first champion one month before they hit national television. So in a lot of ways, you have to wonder if they just go with good old reliable Chris Jericho. The guy's held the guy's held gold all over the world. He's been doing it for 25 years. He uh he's got name recognition, you know. People people know who Chris Jericho is. I mean, he's every bit of 50 years old or whatever he is now, but People say, oh, Jericho, I know him. Yeah, I, oh, Chris, oh, Chris Jericho's their champion. Really? Hmm, maybe I'll tune in. That That's that's a tantalizing uh, offer, right? That, that AEW could have a household name, really. Uh, a surefire WWE Hall of Famer, one of the top 10 most important performers in the history of wrestling. They could put the belt on him. And if they don't think Paige is ready, they could, they could have, you know, they could have Cody ready, or they could have Omega ready, or they could have, you know, Sean Spears. You could Darby Allen. You have a lot of options if Jericho's the champion. Uh, a lot of guys chasing him. You could tell a story about a lot of guys coming up short trying to chase him. Uh, if Paige wins it, Paige is going to have to hold that belt for six months to a year in order to give it some legitimacy. Whereas if you give it to Jericho, Jericho comes out on top and beats Paige. You automatically are in a redemption story with Adam Page. You know, I was supposed to be the chosen one. I dropped the ball. I, I couldn't do this. I, I, it, I was the biggest match of my life, and I lost. In a lot of ways, that's a more compelling story than him winning his first ever singles title for a nationally televised company, it being the world championship. It's a more compelling story to say Adam Page has got to get better, right? Adam Page is not ready to be a superstar yet. And you have Jericho beat him. Now, of course, the flip side to that is if you have the first AEW champion be a WWE wrestler, 
a lot of people, a former WWE wrestler, of course, a lot of people are going to say like, oh yeah, well, some competitor, their first champion's a 55-year-old WWE cast-off. But I think it's a little bit different. Uh, Jericho, you know, he's in charge of his career however he wants. He made the decision to go to AEW. They didn't chase him out of WWE. He could have stayed there until the very end of his career, whenever that may be. Uh, He could have been wrestling every single week on Raw, but he took a chance. And he went to New Japan, where he developed the relationship with these guys. And uh, his name could go down the history books as, as the guy that helped create the organization that maybe I'm not going to say takes down Vince McMahon. See, this is where I'm missing Damien and the fact that I really want to talk about where AEW might be in five years or 10 years, what their legacy might be, where they may be at. But we're going to save that for a podcast, probably closer to their national television debut. Um, but yeah, Paige and Jericho is a real toss up. It really is. Uh, Page is, you know, you want to say he's a safe bet because he's kind of the the chosen one for the elite. Okay, he's he's it's all elite wrestling. He's a member of the elite. He was a member of the Bullet Club. He's been there with Cody and all those guys from the very beginning. Uh, uh, you know, really the beginning of his stardom, not the beginning of Bullet Club, obviously. But he's been with them for a while. He's he's the homegrown talent that AEW needs, the world title contender. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, maybe his story is better suited for, okay, three, six months, 12 months down the line, he can take on Jericho and he can beat Jericho or he can lose to Jericho. Jericho can lose the belt to someone else. And then if Jericho ever becomes champion or Paige ever becomes champion, it could be a thing where, oh man, well, Paige has never been able to beat Jericho. He couldn't beat Jericho. So this one's a real toss up. The other thing is, if this is the, if this is the match that's ending the night, I mean, I guess Jericho winning, like the crowd's not going to revolt. People don't dislike Jericho like Roman Reigns or anything. People would probably cheer for that. And Jericho's obnoxious enough uh, to demand the thank you and everybody's chanting, thank you, Jericho, AEW. Uh, it, could be a, it could be a sight to be seen. But honestly, on all, of all the matches on the card, of the 10 matches that we talked through here, and we've talked through all 10 matches, this is the one I'm most most unsure of, right? Just recapping, I think Private Party is going to win. I think they're going to beat Angelico and Jack Evans. Um, I think he uh, Shida, okay, that the, the lovely Japanese wrestler is going to beat Riho. Uh, the twenty one woman match again, the Battle Royal. I, I don't know who's going to win, but it could be anyone. Uh, I think it's going to be Britt Baker. I, I think Darby Allen wins the three-way between Joey Janela and Jimmy Havoc. I think Sean Spears defeats Cody Rhodes. I think the Lucha Brothers beat the Young Bucks. I think the Dark Order beats the Best Friends. Um, and, and I think Pac beats Kenny Omega. But this main event match, Adam Page versus Chris Jericho, I don't know who's going to win. And, and I guess that really is what makes this match compelling. It's what makes AEW compelling is we don't know yet, right? There, there's no spoiler alert, Brock, uh, Brock Lesnar wins. There's no spoiler alert, John Cena wins. No spoiler alert, Randy Orton wins. You've got, you, we don't know AEW's booking style. We don't, we don't know how they're going to tell their stories. So little is predictable. Uh, there's no reason, I mean, everybody always worries that when professional wrestlers are the ones that are concocting the stories that they're going to make themselves win. But, uh, I don't think that's the case here. I don't. I don't think that. 
I don't think that the egos are big enough. Like, I don't think the Young Bucks are going to be the inaugural tag team champions. I don't. Again, I don't think Cody's going to win his match. Uh, Kenny Omega lost his first AEW match. So um, there's no guarantee here that says, oh, well, of course, they're going to put their boy over. They're going to put Paige over. Jericho could be their champ. Jericho's probably got the most Instagram followers out of anybody in AEW. Uh, He could really hold in that belt, say, come on, come watch me defend my title. Uh, I don't know. Really, anything could happen. Anything could happen. And in addition to that, I think it's on the first first episode of AEW, Jericho and Kenny are going to cross paths again in a, in a six-man match. I think that's a, one of the matches that they announced. And Jericho's got mystery opponents, uh, mystery partners. Uh, those mystery partners could very well be a little mini stable. And you have Chris Jericho running a rough shot over AEW. Uh, it would be a nice way to protect the reputations of a lot of the guys that Jericho, the four, late forties man, or, you know, 40, what is he? 48 is this Jericho 48. Is he that old? Uh, Jericho's always getting protected by his two thugs and henchmen, whoever that end up being, uh, when, when we find out on October 2nd, when the show starts. So I'm going to say Jericho. I think Jericho wins the AEW championship to end all out in Chicago and we wait one month, we watch a couple more, you know, Road to TNT or whatever they end up calling the show. Uh, there's rumors it could be AEW Wednesday Night Dynamite. I'm not sure if, if that's something that's going to stick. But, um, yeah, I think Jericho wins the belt. So, uh, guys, that is it. That's my AEW prediction. Uh, you can order AEW via Bleacher Report here in the United States, Bleacher Report Live. I think it's a worthwhile investment. I really do. Uh, I think what, however you get AEW all out, you can just, you know, you guys are all smart. You know how to work the internet, okay? Find it, seek it out, pay for it. P.S., pay for it. Um, I'm a huge anti-piracy advocate, okay? When, when we like things, when we want things to succeed, we pay for them. You hear that? Okay, we're, we're going to add that to my long list of lessons I'm teaching my students is that your money... Uh, has a lot of power. Okay. It's got more power than your tweets and your Facebook updates and your Instagram posts. Uh, your money dictates a lot in life. So give AEW your money. If you're interested, uh, if, if you're not sure if you want to commit, watch the free pre-show. Okay. Like I said, we got private party, uh, versus Angelico and Jack Evans. Okay. That's going to be a great match. Watch that. Watch the 21 Women Battle Royal. Be a little forgiving because Battle Royals are always kind of clunky. Uh, but I really suggest on Saturday night, uh, August 31st, live from Chicago, uh, you sit in your living room or your basement, you have some buddies over, and you buy the pay-per-view. Okay? I really don't think you'll regret it. So that's it, guys. That's it for the Ion Ryan Show. Uh, I will be back on Friday. Uh, we're not going to talk any more wrestling on Friday. We're just going to go ahead and we're going to talk about D23. Me and Sean are going to do it up, talk about everything from D23. We were talking over the show today. I think we're going to have a good one for you. All right, we're going to take the spots of Greg and Sam for one week, bring you a very special episode of We Podcast and We Know Things. Uh, and then, of course, those guys will be back the following week with their 150th episode ever. Uh, if I don't get a chance uh, to say it, well, I guess I will on Friday. But congrats, guys. I'm so proud of you and everything that you've done and accomplished with the We Podcast and We Know Things and subsequently 
the We Pod Squad. Thank you for the opportunity. You'll hear me and Sean on Friday. And a week from today, if you're listening to it on Tuesday when this podcast drops, MRC Tech presents the last podcast. Sean will be back. Uh, I'm sure he's going to go even more in-depth. I'm a part of a Facebook group with him that deals with Star Wars. We got some new D23 Star Wars Rise of Skywalker footage. We'll talk about that on Friday, but I can guarantee you Sean, in his his amazingly charming and brilliant way, is going to further unpack that footage. So uh, make sure you tune in for that. Make sure you tune in Friday when we team up. Uh, Be great. Be grateful. Be well. Enjoy AEW All Out. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend. Thank you for listening to The Iron Ryan Show. Ryan will return in two weeks with another episode. Connect with Ryan on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter by searching username IronRyan. Ryan.